I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 565 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please go over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got an awesome guest for you guys today. Kenny Lattimore joins me on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, Kenny is a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. He is hailed by the New York Times as the modern soul man. Kenny has been crushing the R&B scene since he first appeared back in the late 80s, early 90s with the R&B group called Mannequin, of which he became the lead singer. His own debut album, Kenny Lattimore, was released in 1996 and included a pair of top 20 hits, including the Grammy-nominated For You. The album also earned Kenny a win for Best New Artist in the NAACP Image Awards. Kenny has continued to find success in the music industry. He's got a brand new album out right now called Here to Stay, which produced a single pressure that has been climbing the charts. Kenny is a first-class father as well. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Kenny Lattimore will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Kenny Lattimore was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the singer-songwriter and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Kenny Lattimore, you got to go check out some of the other music dads who have stopped by the podcast here, including boys to men's own Sean Stockman, uh, Backstreet Boys AJ McLean, legendary singer Donny Osmond, uh, hip-hop singer Logic, Andy Grammer, many other musical artists have stopped by here. Go through the archives and check them all out. Please follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider hitting me with a rating or review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Kenny Lattimore. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got a couple of ways for you guys to help support the podcast here and save some money. As you know, Christmas shopping season has started once again. And right now, MyPillow has got the lowest prices in history on their original MyPillow, the pillow that started it all. The normal price is $69.98. But right now, if you use the promo code FATHERHOOD, you're going to get it for $19.98. That's right. Save $50 on the original MyPillow. Go visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. All right, and secondly, as you know, the NFL season is now heating up. The NBA and the NHL are underway. Take your kids to the game in person the way it's supposed to be and save $20 on your tickets at SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Go to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS and save $20 on your tickets. All right, just a quick recap. MyPillow.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. SeatGeek.com, promo code First Class, two ways for you guys to save money and help support First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Kenny Lattimore. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. All right, let's start just like this. How many kids do you have? How old? I have an 18-year-old son that just uh, was shipped off to college. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. What kind of sports or activities was he into growing up? everything man he was a, a beast on the football field he uh played basketball and uh he really just was overall athletic 
And uh, but that that's kind of like a genetic thing too. Uh, and and I was loving sports because it allowed him to get that energy out. You know, young young boys need that uh, the space to get their energy out. Yeah, I hear you. I got three boys myself and a girl, oh, so I man. know a little bit about that. Uh, if, you could, <laughs> if you could hear, Kenny, please, for the listeners, just give us a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Uh, I am, uh, again, first a father. I absolutely love it. Uh, the whole idea of shaping a, a life and pointing it towards greatness is uh, one of the greatest things ever. I'm a man of faith. Um, uh, I am a husband. Uh, my wife is uh, a wonderful attorney, and she's a part of the television industry. And I also am a entertainer, so I sing and act and host uh, different events and television shows, things like that. So, uh, But most people know me for singing love songs. Yeah, and, and listen, you've had a very successful career here, Kenny, so it's an honor to have you on the podcast. So take me back. You, said, you. 18, you said 18 years old now, so yeah. about how old were you? When you first became a dad and how did that experience kind of change your perspective on life? Wow. I, I waited a long time. <laughs> well, for me, it was a long time. I was in my 30s and um, it felt like I was more ready, though, because I had more patience. <clears throat> I think if I had had him younger, I would have still been figuring so much about me out, uh, figuring out certain aspects of life. But um, having a son in my 30s, I used to think to myself, oh, man. I'm not going to be able to like pick him up and ride him on my back because I'm going to be old or something's going to happen. And it just wasn't like that at all. Um, it just, I thought, made me a better a better parent, uh, again, with the age and everything. But it was fantastic. He uh, very much had a personality similar to mine, which is laid back. And um, I'm watching him come into his own. I think as a father, my biggest uh, mission was to make sure that he was protected from outside influences and had balance of them. Because, I mean, sometimes people are giving you constructive constructive criticism. There are other times when people are just criticizing, you know. So I just wanted to make sure that he could balance uh, everything that was happening around him to give him a, a chance to just be healthy and whole and, uh, and have a great life. Yeah, very well said, Kenny. One thing I talk about on my show all the time is the fatherless crisis that we have going on. We got yeah. so many kids growing up without a father or a yeah. father figure in their life, and it really has a devastating effect on our society. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, you went through a, a, a co-parenting situation. I yeah. know one of the reasons for this, a lot of people point to a difficult relationship. Sometimes the family court system could be just horrifying to dads. But uh, mm -hmm. what was your um, co-parenting situation experience like for you? And what kind of advice do you have for the dad out there who's maybe just on the onset of a co-parenting experience? You know, it's interesting because I talked to several uh, fathers who did not understand that when they had children, that they had equal rights, <laughs> and just like the mom. And uh, I fortunately was surrounded by uh, people who were knowledgeable about uh, the the court system and the whole uh, separation uh, situation, you know, those things that happen in that. Um, things were fairly easy. They were they were fairly easy because I never wanted to have sole custody and take him away from his mom. I think that kids need the balance and uh, vice versa. His mother never tried to uh, take him from me or what have you. Um, but uh, my son, uh, I think, really just needed to see us positive, not speaking negatively about one another. That's another thing that happens a lot in divorces and, and separations is you have a parent telling a child a little too much 
and they can't handle it. So that did not happen from this end. Um, I did not uh, try to explain too much to him either. And interesting enough, when I was getting ready to get married again, uh, my son came to affirm me one day because I had some men affirming before I got married. He said, thank you for not telling me everything and shielding me from some things. I didn't understand it then. And I know we had some times where he was really angry at me because he thought, oh, I'm old enough now. I'm eight, you know, <laughs> and I, you can tell me everything. And I'm like, no, no, son, you know, it's okay. Just know that you're loved and um, and cherished and, and let's keep it moving. But, uh, but for most of the men out there, just know that <clears throat> Don't allow your emotions and your situation to be dumped on the child. Don't allow the child to be in the middle of anything. And uh, if you can, I mean, I don't want to sound preachy because I know everybody's situation is very different. Um, if you really researched my situation, it was very, very difficult uh, because we had some other things publicly going on. But for, for guys, just know that you're not counted out the dad. You're not a second thought. You have the same uh, types of rights. Uh, just keep yourself focused and and as a great example for your child. Yeah, very well said, Kenny. And I, I, I agree with you there, too. And I would imagine being in the spotlight and, and having that on you as well makes it even all the more difficult. But sure. uh, I think I think kids today become so desensitized to so many things that are going on, yeah. they're exposed to so much. They have so much information. To Absolutely. Soon, so. Um, I, I love what you have to say there. Now, did, did becoming a father, did that change you at all as far as an artist goes? Did that uh, maybe change the way that you do, you do your music? Did, did it have any effect on your career whatsoever as, an, as a yeah. recording artist? You know, I was always uh, lyric conscious, if you will, but I think it, it did make me more lyric conscious. It's like, well, when I sing this song, my son's going to hear it. Is he going to try to live out what I'm saying? Is he going to try to uh, emulate the lyrics that I that I sing in the song? Um I think it more or less reinforced the path that I was already on uh, because my mother made me very conscious of lyrics and she would always be like, does this song have value? And again, come I came from the church. So with gospel music and things like that, there's a huge lyric consciousness about uh, singing songs of faith and inspiring people. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And people want me to be a sex symbol and they want me to be all this other stuff. You know, so it was the balancing all of that was uh, always important from the beginning. So I think in having a child, uh, I just continued on that same path and just continued to build. Yeah, very cool. What, what would you consider to be some of the top values that maybe you got from your father that you hope to instill in your son as he was growing up? Wow. For me, gosh, not to take things too seriously, uh, to uh, explore. My dad was always like, go out and try everything, you know, no boundaries. And, uh, and as a result, uh, I've been singing several different genres. Even in my show, I go out and uh, I, I put all of the things I've learned vocally into a, like a storytelling portion of my show so that I can show people that uh, not having boundaries like that or, or limits is um, freeing. And it is uh, it's one of those situations where when you allow yourself to expand out, you never know how far the mind can go and how many things you can learn. You know, there's just no limits on the learning uh, of a human being. Yeah, great stuff. And I know you, you mentioned here too, I know you got a new album, Here to Stay. And here I to dropped stay. a single recently. Uh, what's the, what, what can, what can the, um, the audience expect to hear when they get the new album? 
Here to Stay is a is a fairly contemporary R&B album. Uh, it is a showcase. Interesting when we talk about fathering. For me, fathering extends even past my son. It extends over to other young men who are coming up, um, who need information, who are uh, without guidance in certain areas of their lives. So I tried to extend my knowledge about the music industry to other young producers. So this particular album is a showcase of a producer named Drakkar Madison Wesley. His stage name is Madison as an artist. And uh, so the album is one that touches on the legacy of, of my music, but at the same time takes me into the new uh, relevant sound right now of R&B music. So um, he uh, just needed, you know, that, that kind of fatherly guidance, you know, and I've done that all my life as well. I've taken on mentees through the years and just tried to guide them towards uh, their own greatness. So that uh, the album showcases that, and it also showcases Here to Stay, my commitment to singing the love songs, the love ballads. Well, it sounds exciting. And yeah, very important to be, like you said, offering that service to mentees. Certain, I mean, I, there's so many kids out there, like I mentioned before, growing up without a father or father yes. figure. So it's awesome to be able to do that. And, and just on what you do, I know that the, the way that we consume music has mm -hmm. changed drastically totally. since when you first oh. began your career. Yeah. Here. So uh, well, what kind of advice do you have for the, for the parent uh, out there whose kid is interested in pursuing a music career? What's the best way to do it today? Is it putting out a YouTube video? Is it being your own? Is it going to the traditional record label? Uh, what's the best Best route for these young artists to take today? You know what I think is it's all of those things. It's taking advantage of every opportunity that comes to you because everybody has a different story about how they, they made it in this industry. There's no real one path. Uh, it's a lot of, about relationships. But when you don't have those relationships readily at your fingertips, the great thing is we have this technology with the internet that you can put out your own music. Uh, I just try to instill in kids that want to do this to just love it, love it all the way, because the business of music is not always kind. Uh, becoming famous is not always a kind situation. You know, you put yourself in a, a vulnerable place where people ha are, get to say things and have access to you that's unusual. Um, and a lot of people discount those things, but those are the things that happen more in the long term. So um, I try to tell everyone love it like if you never got paid to do it that you would still do it and it keeps you in a place of gratitude so you know there are mornings if, I, if i'm not feeling great i could get up and i can sing a song and it has the same value as if i sold a, a cd or something to that degree because i know we a lot of times validate ourselves by what other people think and uh and by money and sales and things but sometimes you have to just validate yourself based on you knowing you, being a great person. And if that is at your foundation, really you can go into any aspect of entertainment or the business, and I think you can survive. But a lot of times we lose ourselves in the pursuit of success in the music industry. And that's what I try to teach kids. Don't, don't allow yourself to be lost in that. Even more so difficult with the social media that we have today and, the, and everybody getting criticism from all over the place. All over just... the place. Yeah, I, I think that definitely adds a layer to it. But to your yeah. point there, too, I think with sports and with entertainment, you can't really teach passion or you can't teach heart. That's I think right. That's uh, the, the big determining factor in how far that may go. Absolutely. And, and then just bringing it back into you as a dad here. What, what type of what about uh, as far as discipline goes? What type of disciplinarian uh, were you as a dad with your son growing up? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? Uh, no, I grew up with the spankings, the old fashioned spankings, <laughs> <laughs> the whoopings. <laughs> 
But uh, I, and I didn't get a lot of that. I think that what happens is if you discipline a child early, there's certain things that uh, that they just get. You know, there are times when I used to, um, and I, I did again. I grew up with the spankings. Um, I did, I did spank my child early. When I say spankings, I don't mean something abusive. But if he was going towards a fire, I wasn't going to sit there and go, KJ, come back, KJ, come. Back. I'd be like, no, no, that's not for you. That's what I would say to him initially. Um, in order for him to actually get a spanking, which is a tap or anything like that, it's almost like tapping somebody on the shoulder. He would have to do something that completely defied me that I knew would not be beneficial to him. Um, I think people we've we've gotten so um, far away from um, the whole spanking thing because, it, you know, is it humane? Is it uh, is it the correct thing to do? And um, I think that as we transition, because that's what we're really in a transition with all of that, because we have generations who were go outside and pick a switch for you. I mean, that's the generation that my father came from. And then when it got to me, it was, no, you're not going to do that, but you're going to get a spanking or punishments uh, where we would have to write, I won't forget to do this. or I won't. Right. I mean, there's so many things that we had to do. And then we get to, to my son's generation where we're talking to him. Um, and there was a time when my father and my son and I lived in the same house. We, we lived together for about six to eight years. And during that time period, it was really interesting because my father would be like, whoa, that boy disrespects you. You know, the, the generation is like, he, he, because he talks back. Um, but in our society now, our kids, we allow them a voice where in my father's generation, kids did not have a voice at all. So um, balancing it all was very interesting. Uh, again, in terms of the literal discipline uh, physically, a lot of that stuff, very, very little when he was young as a shocker. And it's like, oh, my God, my dad is the authoritarian. And my dad, you know, he, he did something that just shocked me. When that goes off in the beginning, it's like, OK, kids understand. But I didn't have to do much, you know, after six years old, seven, eight. I mean, I could talk to him and I could say, hey, this is not for you. This is not what you need to be doing here, you know, or go sit here or do that. And he's going to do it because uh, he's kind of he has a fear of God in him about me. And it's not because I beat him down, you know, what I'm saying? but there's certain things that you kind of shock him, kind of shock him. That's, that's what I did back in the day, whether that's right or wrong. That was uh, my combination of coming from the generation of my dad to the new generation, uh, how I handled it. <laughs> and, and I can't, my father was 50 years old when he had me. He was born in 1930. Oh, so, I mean, wow. he came from that old school generation oh that as well, where children yeah. should be seen and not heard. And, not heard. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, so many of the dads that I've interviewed on here, when I asked them that discipline question, almost all of them say, oh, I grew up with the spanking or the switch or the spoon or the mm -hmm. belt. And yeah. then it's, well, I don't do that with my kids. And I, I and I don't know. I, I think because so many people are afraid and there's obviously a major difference between mm -hmm. spanking a child and beating a child. Absolutely. And I think um, I think some of it is. And I said, I have four kids now. Spanking worked with some wouldn't work with others. There was right. no need to. So it's like each kid needs to be it's disciplined different. in a different way. They're very different. Yeah. And, and I think I, I think there's definitely that. I, I grew up with that as well. Like, uh, wait till your father comes home type of deal. Right. That was enough to straighten me right up, you know. Right. And I think if kids don't have that, I think it leads into it definitely into some more trouble.
Yeah, uh, it's like you you spare the rod. That you know, I'm a Bible guy. You spare right. the rod. You hate your son. Uh, some people say you spoil your son. I think it's both. Um, but sparing the rod, we just, yeah, we have to define what the rod is and make sure that it's not abusive. But we have to make sure that we're doing the right thing because later on, you you can create battles with your kids that shouldn't exist power battles because it's like oh there's no consequence to if you have a dog it's the same thing we we love dogs we have a little puppy here and there's certain things that we have to do i don't hit him or anything like that but we have to do things to guide him and pull him back on the rain pull him back or he feels like hey i can do whatever i want and i can take over and i can do you know because there's some people that probably are like don't put a leash on him you know after because there's so many extremes in in our society and everybody trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong and what, but I love what you just said. Um, We have to look at the individual and figure out what is it that that particular child needs because they may need something different than the next child. Yeah. That's why one of the things I I suggest to a lot of the parents, especially I've done it myself is the, uh, the five love languages uh, by Chapman. I know that that's usually a thing that they suggest for like a husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, but I I found it so useful for my kids to do it with my teenage boys to kind of get an insight into their love language and how they give and receive love. So that was very beneficial as well. Mm, That's great. Uh, Yeah. But like like I said, I've interviewed so many of these guys that have come from that generation of of discipline and they all turned out highly successful. So it it wasn't like (laughs) it it totally ruined their life. So uh, there's definitely something to it. Uh, Well, we obviously got the new album here to stay out now. Uh, What kind of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? What's next for you? Oh, man, I'm I'm ready to hit the road. Uh, You know, COVID uh, and and the quarantine stuff has really separated us from our fan base and the whole live music scene. But that is back and I'm excited about it. So I want to uh, hit the road at the top of the year and get to see as many of the fans as possible and bring them the live show. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to drop the link to your website in the description of today's podcast episode. So my mm-hmm. listeners, you go over there, check out the album, check out the shows yeah. and all that. Last thing I want to hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. Sure. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Wow. Um, the new dad or about to be dad, I would say. Don't think that things have to be perfect. Or that everything has to, you know, line up to be like, well, we, we know that doesn't have to be what your parents do. A lot of times, whatever we didn't like from our parents, we take an opposite approach. And we're like, I'll never, like you mentioned, I'll never do that to my kids. Or I didn't ever get this, so I'm going to give all of this to my son or, or my daughter. But uh, try not to move in extremes and try not to compare yourself or beat yourself up about the things that you don't know. Because it's going to be a learning and an unfolding experience every single day. But take in the amazing moments of seeing the child grow. You're going to learn things about yourself more than anything else. You know, I would look at my son and be like, oh, my God, did he just say something that I said when I was his age? And there's no way for him to know it. You know, genetics, DNA, spirit, generation, whatever you call it, that is in these children that allows them to be a piece of you, you watch that unfold. It is absolutely fascinating. It is a miracle in in life. And um, so just enjoy the process. Don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Kenny Lattimore, your first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate it. 
Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Kenny Lattimore for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you get over to my Instagram account and follow me over there for all the upcoming guest announcements. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.